リンクスタート先輩先輩キツライダイオディズリスコミラビンオンハダイシステイウェットホーシャディソコワイエウェダイフォーハーライデンワチンタイオーデンタイウェッAnd welcome in to another riveting edition of the Anime Senpai Podcast. Can you hear that in the distance? Do you hear the rumbling as every step smashes the floor? Are you shrilling with fear and terror and at the same time bowing because the king of monsters is approaching you? Well, you're in luck because, Senpai, you're going to see me fully nerd out tonight because I'm super excited to talk about tonight's topic and I had to make it happen because, guess what? It's actually my show at the end of the day. So, I'm about to have some fun with it and talk about things that get me hyped. So, before we move forward, I hope you are all doing well. So, take all of my love, my positivity, and all of my good attributes because no matter where you are in life, no matter what position you are, remember there is no timeline. Do not convince yourself you need to be somewhere at a certain age. Do not Compare yourself to your friends and family or anybody out there you see on social media. You are on your own path, and the best path you can be on is in this exact moment. You are the perfect person you need to be right now, right here. So appreciate it and enjoy the moment because guess what? Just as I'm talking, it's already gone. <laughs> so enjoy it to the fullest. So I hope you're all doing well. Shout outs to the Twitch family, everybody. W's in the chat. Shout outs to all the Twitch family. You guys are my family. I love you so much. Thank you for coming. And also on TikTok for the live podcast recordings every single Sunday around 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Sorry for the East Coast family, but if you stay up late, you get a little surprise. <laughs> you guys are the best. I appreciate you for being here for the podcast recording and always kind of. Letting me know in the Discord how you guys appreciate everything, especially with this week's Patreon episode. So, before we move forward, I have to shout out Rogue. Shout outs to Rogue, my multiverse brother from another mother, who basically reached out to me. We had great conversations. He became a Patreon member. He wanted to join me for a podcast. And of course, what better way than to put me in a position that I've never truly felt before? And we reviewed a show called Redo of Healer. I'm not sure if you've heard of Redo of Healer or even understand or even conceptually know what Redo of Healer is. Uh, it's baseline hentai, but it's not. It's like softcore because they don't show penetration, but it's basically a revenge porn. <laughs> like, I, don't know, I don't know how else to say it, but it's really wild and I kind of enjoyed it. <laughs> Once you get past the first couple episodes, it's kind of enjoyable, but the craziest part is, ah! It's not bad. <laughs> It's really not bad. And a lot of banging. A lot of banging. Like, I'm talking about they wake up in the morning. They're at this, like, beautiful lake. These girls are just wearing, like, white canvases on their body. They literally look like they're in a toga party. And then the guy wakes up and he's like, bing, it's time to bang. <laughs> so, shout outs to Rogue. If you're a Patreon member, you can listen to the podcast. It's live now. And there's, like, eight other reviews I do. And people don't know this. 
I used to be a part of a show called Weeb Nation. And what we would do is every single week we would review a new show. Well, it kind of got time consuming. And a lot of the things I'm focused on now with uh, social media presence and creating all this content, it takes a lot of time. So I don't have as much time to watch shows. So what I do now is for Patreon members, I spend an entire month watching a show that you guys either recommend yourself or pick. And not only can you join me for the episode when I record it, but I review the entire thing from start to finish. No holds bar. And I get into the nitty gritty details. So definitely a fun time. Shout outs to Rogue again. And I appreciate you for making me want something I wouldn't have watched on my own. Now, as I've welcomed you all in, I've given you all of my love and affection and told you not to care about anybody else or wherever they are in their life. And I also gave you some insight on the Patreon episode. It's time for us to do something together. And as I like to be a worldly gentleman, and I like to bring you guys into the plethora of news going around us at a consistent schedule, and it almost seems like it's crazy hard to pay attention to everything, there's also something else I like to do here, and that's where I put you guys on game to a new anime every single week. So if you're lucky enough to join me live, this week's episode is something interesting. And without further ado, I need to play the sounder. Let's time for Anime of the Week! Y'all want something new to watch. Already seen Boku no people. Don't trip. Anime Senpai has the show of the week coming in hot. So sit back, crack a brewski, and get the popcorn ready because it's time for the anime of the week. Welcome to the anime of the week, where Senpai goes on a grand adventure. I set sail on one of the oldest wreckage boats I could find because it was cheap, and you know it's crazy times, it's also the holiday season. I found myself exploring the vast world of animation, trying to find shows that I believe truly not only deserve to have the highlighted accent of people watching more of it or enjoying it, but I actually like to go out of the comfort zone and grab shows I think that might encompass you into a different type of realm, if not a different type of genre entirely, and sometimes shows that you probably would have never heard of because they don't get enough clout on social media. So this week's show is something I thought about and I really wanted to bring to the forefront, right? If you ask me to describe what this show is and why this show is so pivotal to be watched upon and actually talked about with everybody, it's because this show is actually, in my opinion, the greatest animation form of human emotion. Let that sit in. This show is beautifully animated and it depicts the entirety of Shogi. <laughs> Do you even know what Shogi is? Have you ever even heard of Shogi? Well, it's a Japanese board game, right? And the craziest thing is not only is this story entirely based on professional Shogi, but it's going to show you the depth of human emotion and especially things that are really hard to understand, which is death, loss, moving forward and accepting oneself and the feelings we have and how you can accept all of these things from whether it be depression to mental instability, so many things. But what if I told you it was animated perfectly? Today's show and these, this week's show, I should say, is none other than March Comes In Like a Lion. Now let's not waste any time and watch the first episode together. <laughs> I stumbled across this show from a recommendation of a friend, and he told me, I know you're looking for things that are outside the box. I know you're looking for things that 
are not down the beaten path, right? I, and he knew I was trying to find shows that have more depth to it and more of like an emotional tie, right? So he put me on game to this show and he told me, go watch March Comes In Like a Lion. I have a feeling you're not only going to enjoy it, but it might bring something out of you that you might have even lost along life's way. So that main character, his name is Ray. He's a 17-year-old professional shogi player and he became a professional in junior high. He is a prodigy. They consider him a genius because of how intelligent he is and his intellectual comprehension when it comes to shogi the sport itself. Now, why the show is so cool and why I think it's something you guys should absolutely watch is it's something that would never get promoted. It's a show that will never get limelight and it's a show that will never take the mass consumption of shonen fans because number one, it has no fight scenes. Number two, it's all mental internal and the best part about it is it is one of the best depictional, uh, I guess you could say animation style points of going through human emotion and understanding what it means to have mental health, understanding what it means to be mentally cognitive uh, and ability to consume yourself with knowing what's right and wrong. And it shows you that no matter what happens to you in your life, and I don't want to spoil anything too much, but the show does give you within the first few episodes, something happens to his immediate family. And so that first character we saw him playing a professional shogi match with, that older gentleman, was his adopted father. And you'll see why, you'll understand everything, you'll understand why that first scene with that girl smirking and kind of talking down to him is a very pivotal character as well. The entirety of this show is not only going to evolve into a very deep complex uh, complexity of human emotion and understanding what it means, but it's also trying to revert Ray from losing himself when he has nothing but the world in front of him and it's really crazy too because it touches on something a lot of people don't like to talk about and it's the fact that most of your persona of who you are the build of your actual character your interests your hobbies and the things that you push for in life are ultimately decided by your immediate family and so when he was taken in by that gentleman that gentleman was a professional shogi player and in doing so Ray grabs onto it because he had nothing left and when you're in a dark place most people grab onto something so tightly it becomes their world and consumes them and that's what happens to Ray so he eventually becomes a professional shogi player but going through all of it he questions if he really even loves shogi or if he's just doing it to do it and really accepting self and the awareness of who he is and accepting those three sisters as family members because they're the closest thing to him in this dark corroded world of his it's a sensational show the animation style is one of my favorite I am absolutely in love with the depiction of how it shows all the emotions he goes through and the self-consumption of when he goes dark deep into his mind as you guys saw it is sensational not enough people talk about it it's very upsetting and sad to know that a show that has so much complexity to it is overlooked because within that first episode again like i said most people would just be like eh, i'm good i don't want to watch this i didn't see any fight scenes i didn't see any crazy fingers being eaten i didn't see any kamehamehas i didn't see anything you know so it's it's upsetting and it's sad to know that Ugh, shonens are the, the pivotal point and basically the main genre for anime, but do yourself a favor, take some time, go watch this show, and I have a feeling you will actually really enjoy it. So again, that was the first episode of March Comes In Like a Lion. I highly recommend it, and I think it's very well worth your time. Now, as we have finished talking about the anime of the week, and I put you guys on game to something that's definitely going to make you feel something, it's time to go to the news of the week. I've never been on live television before. Has your kids, has your wife, and has your husband. Don't watch the news. Ain't nobody got time for that. Great story, compelling and rich. Because I'm a kid, and apparently every time Grandpa just gives me the remote after we watch the Powerball. Ladies and gentlemen.
Ladies and gentlemen, as we are worldly fellows and we like to gallivant into the world of animation and constantly move forward and understand what it means to not only be a person, but to keep ourselves focused and to see everything going on within the world of anime, I like to dedicate this segment every single weekend for you guys to know exactly what's going on and why you should care. Now, the first story that I found exhilarating is SpongeBob SquarePants Anime is Back, and it's set to debut with its Fry Cook Games arc. Now, if you guys know, there was a viral video going around YouTube that was called Spongebubble. <laughs> it was about three years ago now, and what's so cool about it is this independent line of people who put this uh, YouTube video together, it was so well done. I fell in love with it because it shows you the ability we have to take anything and turn it into a top-tier show, even on the anime side. And they made it a shonen, by the way. You know, like Bubble Bob or whatever that guy is that hides the pickles under his tongue? Well, that first episode, if you go watch it on YouTube, which I highly recommend you do, all you have to look up is SpongeBob anime. You're going to watch SpongeBob fight this guy, and it's so actually good. You kind of sit back and you're like... Dog, you're telling me Spongebob could have been like this the entire time? <laughs> I really like it. I think it's cool. I had to bring this to your attention because when I first watched it, I was hoping for more. I was hoping they would get funding or budgeting or something to at least make it an actual legit show because I grew up with Spongebob. I watched Spongebob. I love Spongebob. The funny, quirky, <laughs> but like you make it into an anime now, like a shonen vote. I was all about it. So I think this is dope. I wanted to make you guys aware of it because I think also this is the stepping stone to what else will be coming. I do believe that a lot of pivotal shows, cartoons that we may have grown up with as well, just to throw some out there, I don't think it'll happen, but like Doug, Hey Arnold, Fairly Odd Parents, whatever it may be, I have a feeling more independent companies are going to start animating more of these into an anime form to just kind of like bring that cognuity and bring in everybody else into the depiction of anime because anime is skyrocketing. We all know it's a thing. It's all over the world. Everybody's consumed by it. But I do believe this again. I also wanted to shout this out because I just personally believe that episode of Spongebob, Spongebobble, is unbelievable. So I had to shout it out, and shout out to Spongebob, continuing his growth <laughs> within the animation world. Now, the second story, and this one is actually pretty big for all of us. Some of the biggest Hulu anime titles have just arrived to Disney+. Plus. Now, if you don't know this, Hulu is owned by Disney. Disney almost seems to own the entire world right now, it feels like. But only in Japan, in Japanese culture, Japan's Disney Plus had a section for anime, but it wasn't here in the Western states yet. Well, I'm sure they've picked up on everything. I'm sure Disney has been paying attention and they understood the assignment. They have now taken some of the biggest name shows and thrown it on Disney+. Plus. Some of them, for example, are Attack on Titan Season 1 through 4 English. English dub, Bleach Seasons 1 through 26, English dub in its missing episodes, Thousand Year Blood War, Harimia, Missing Pieces, and there's so much more that's connected to this tweet. It's actually insane. I'm just going to rifle some off. Bleach, Harimia, Jobless Reincarnation, My Hero Academia, Akidami Drive, uh, Akidama Drive, Mob Psycho, Overlord, Naruto, Tokyo Revenger, Spy Family, Boruto, Fire Force, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, Inuyasha, Yu Yu Hakusho, and the list goes on and on because it's time and I hope you're all aware that this is happening 
anime is taking over the world. Anime is going to be the next Marvel. Anime is going to be everywhere. Are you guys aware that actually there's going to be a new movie coming out too for Kamitsu no Yaiba, Demon Slayer? There's another movie coming out real soon, and it's going to be the beginning to its next season because, well, they did it with Mugen Train. Why wouldn't they continue the hoo-hoo money train and keep doing it if nobody has a problem with it? So this is the future. I'm excited. I think that, again, we're getting ever so closer to having one immediate place for all anime. And I'm all about that. I've said this before. I'll continue saying it. I dislike having a multitude of uh, streaming platforms just to enjoy anime. I want it all in one place so I can watch every single preview, every single outcome, every single season. I want every single anime on there. This is coming. It's going to get closer. So shout outs to Disney for bringing more integration and using their platform for the betterment of anime. Now the next story, and this one might get a little spicy for all of you. Yu Yu Hakusho fans say the live action trailer looks even better than Netflix One Piece. Now hold your own, everyone calm down, and take a breath. I agree with this statement, and I'll tell you why. One Piece was the definitive thing we've been waiting for. We've been waiting for a live action to finally bridge the gap from realistic live actions, anime, and congruing it together to actually be somewhat decent, if not just good. And One Piece not only exceeded that expectation, it finally broke the curse of terrible live adaptations. I don't care what anybody says, I've been somebody who has said the honest truth, One Piece is not the greatest anime ever made, but it's fine if you disagree, but that live adaptation is the greatest form of One Piece I've seen to date. Perfectly paced, the actors captivated every character, the storyline was perfect, the time per episode, everything was immaculate. The thing is though, I think that opened the door. And once the door is opened, everybody's going to walk through now because now it is time for the big dogs to keep moving forward. I have a feeling the funding is there. The storyline for Yu Yu Hakusho, if you've never watched the anime, shame on you. It's a staple in the culture, it's an older show. It's gonna get crazy. Shout out to my buddy Tim. Tim likes to say it's the greatest love story ever told. He's crazy, that's okay. You need to watch the original show because this live adaptation, it's going to be neck and neck with One Piece. I promise you, I'm not making this up. This is gonna be insane. Japan has understood how to make their live adaptations. If you've watched Death Note, if you've even watched their Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhoods, how about the fact of Kakiguri? And watching the way that they put together that show for like a live adaptation episodic vibe, sensational. Mark my words, this is going to be an insanely good live adaptation. I don't know if it's going to be better than One Piece, but from what I've seen so far, bet your bottom dollar it's going to be amazing. Now the fourth story, and this one again is a little upsetting. Jujutsu Kaisen fans blown away by Toro's insane battle against Mahito. Now again... Shame on all of you for still watching this show. It's honestly disgusting that I have to keep repeating this. It's sad that people still don't understand the assignment. And again, it just shows how disconnected we are from social environments and also the ability to unite one uh, one in another to benefit the world of not only animation, but to benefit those who deserve it and give them a better ability of workplace, workspace, work pay, etc. How are you still watching JJK? 
How do you feel good about knowing what's going on and still watching it because you're making them money and they're going to keep forcing them to work because guess what? They made them sign NDAs, non-disclosure agreements. And so now not only can they not talk about it, nothing's going to really get changed. They might bump up their pay a little bit, but they don't give two craps. It's the working man in Japan. It's terrifying. It's literally sad. ZOM 100 showed all of this within the first episode. How are we still watching JJK and being comfortable with how MAPPA is treating its employees? Nothing new has come out. No changes have been made. For God's sake, I think their CEO or whoever is on vacation somewhere, just not even giving a shit. How are we still comfortable supporting MAPPA shows? I'm really curious as to your guys' insight on this. But for myself, again, I haven't watched anything of season two in over a month now, and I will still not. I'm waiting till next year. I told myself I'm going to boycott MAPPA just to start making a wave of showing people we can make a change if we truly want to. And I'm cool waiting. I'm literally cool waiting. I don't even care if it's Free Rin. I don't care if it's Violet Evergarden getting released, one of my favorite shows, or even Spice and Wolf remake. If the Spice and Wolf remake came out, which, by the way, is my all-time favorite anime, I would not watch it. Do you know why? Because I'm somebody who has gained a platform creating content, and to support those who give me the content to talk about, I stand in unison with them. So shame on us again. Stop watching JJK. It's not going anywhere. Let them take a break. Give them time off. I would love JJK to take a month vacation to let those freaking animators go home and see their families. The last story on the topic, and this one is my very favorite of all of the stories, Japan Streaming Service reveals the top five anime rankings for each season in the entirety of 2023. And just like we did last week, where I rated the top 10 shows in all of this year that we are just about to complete, We have now the data, the physical evidence, the rankings of downloads to really see which anime stand out in every single season. And without shock, well, a little bit of shock, in the winter season, number one was By the Grace of God Season 2. Really cute, fun anime. I'm just shocked it was number one. At number two, The Angel Next Door Spoils Me Rotten. At number three, The Magical Revolution of the Reincarnated Princess and the Genius Young Lady. I'm tired of long names. At number four, is it wrong to try to pick up girls in a dungeon? Number four, part two, and adventures don't... I didn't even see this one. Adventures who don't believe in humanity will save the world. Nangen Fushin. Didn't watch that one. Apparently, that's the best of the winter season. And if I go back to my top 10, I don't think I had any of the shows in winter in my top 10. Now, spring season. And I'll say this, I'm happy it got first place. At number one for spring 2023 was Oshinoko. And it should have been because it was the best anime that season. At number two, Kamitsu no Yaiba, Sword Slayer, Swordsmith Village Arc. At number three, my love story with Yamada-kun, level 999-999. Great actual slice of life. I loved it. The fourth one, I got a cheat skill in another world and became unrivaled in the real world, too. Stop with long names. You're pissing me off. And the last one, Magic and Muscles. Very fun one to watch as well. Now, as we go to summer of 2023 and also fall of 2023, no shock at all besides the fall one. Shame on all you MAPPA JJK fans. Summer 2023, Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2, followed by Jobless Reincarnation, Mashoko Tensei Season 2, The Great Cleric, which was a slept-on one, Harimia The Missing Pieces, and My Happy Marriage. I'm upset. I think My Happy Marriage was the best one of that season, but that's me, and we'll continue. Now for fall, the season that's just about to finish, again, JJK Core 2, 
Can't believe you guys are still supporting it, but that's neither here nor there. The second one is Freerin, which it should have been first. Freerin was the best one from the season, and I even have Freerin as the best show of the year, but that's okay. I like Peak. Other people don't. Uh, followed by number three, Spy Family Season 2, The Demon Sold Master of Excalibur Academy, and of course, The Eminence in Shadow Season 2. Those are the roundabouts for the five most watched stream shows in all of 2023 from the Japanese streaming sites. It shows you, again, popular opinion never discredits. I understand it. Some of these shows, like for example, The Angel Next Door Spoils Me Rotten, is a slept-on show, and it's surprising and really good. So, again, fandom carries itself, but a little upset about Freerun. That should have been number one in fall, but that's neither here nor there. And without a doubt, that was my favorite segment of the news of the week. Now, ladies and gentlemen, as I've gotten all your attention, and we're here today... It's time to talk about something very important and something I hold really close to my heart. I recently was brought into the realm of knowing that there was an early screening for a new Godzilla movie. And if you're not privy or understand, what is Godzilla? I don't even know what Godzilla is. How do I even know what the heck it even is? Well, I'll make this statement right now. Godzilla is one of the greatest franchises of all time. And I mean that when I say that. If you're somebody who has never been fortunate enough, uh, I myself, in my 30s now, I was lucky enough to grow up with a dad who was a super nerd who loved to watch cartoons, anime, and especially his all-time favorite was Godzilla. Going back to, like I said, with March Comes In Like a Lion, for some reason, we pick up a lot of the things from our family. This one I'm not upset about. I was watching 1970s, 1960s, and 1980s VHS tapes of men in grown rubber suits depicting themselves as the king of monster Godzilla and also a plethora of ever other kaijus that he would have to fight. From Gigan to King Ghidorah to Megalon to Space Godzilla to Mothra, you name it. It's one of the most incredible depictions of a fantasy-based franchise I could have ever imagined incorporating myself with. And I still remember to this day when I watched the one with him versus Mechagodzilla and they also had King Caesar... The craziest thing about Godzilla is this is back in a time where Godzilla had no CGI. The first ever Godzilla movie was released in 1954, which we're going to watch a clip with tonight about it as well. Sorry for people listening to the podcast. If you don't join the live stream, shame on you. Godzilla is one of the most important things in Japanese history. Do you know why I say that? Because right after World War II, Japan was in shambles. Its economic crises it was in was unfathomable. And they were literally on the brink of a lot of people died because of starvation, all of this stuff that happened. We don't need to go into a history lesson. It was not good times, right? Fortunately, as they started to move forward, started to rebuild, started to get a little bit more advantage within their economic side, they had an idea. And I have to read this for you because this is incredible. Godzilla is a fictional monster, a kaiju, that debuted in one of the most iconic films in 1954 directed and co-written by Ishiro Honda shout out to Honda's the most reliable car I've ever had and the creator of one of the greatest franchises of all time the character has since become an international pop 
culture icon. Appearing in various media, 33 Japanese films produced by Toho Company, five American films, and numerous video games, novels, comic books, television shows, Godzilla has been dubbed the King of Monsters, and its epitome first used in Godzilla, King of Monsters, 1956, the American localization of the 1954 film. The reason why this is so incredible and so pivotal and why it has taken my consumption of interest for tonight's show is that this is also the start of the birth of the fandom of more anime. And I really mean that when I say that. You have to remember there's always building blocks and everything is canon for a reason. When I first watched Godzilla, right, my imagination played the role for CGI. And what I mean by that is anybody who's in here, hopefully you're younger. If you're a little bit older, I hope to rekindle this within you. When you're younger, for myself, where I live, I own the house I grew up in, right? I used to play outside with my neighbors. I would roll the carts like we'd have our little wheelbarrow cart and we would make it seem like roller coasters and we were enthralled by it. We would go into the riverbed behind me, the Santa Ana River, and we would walk through it like a jungle adventure, like it's Jumanji. We would play in the dark and play lava with the ground, whatever it was. Your imagination was this driving force of CGI before the reality of the world took it away from you. Godzilla is that same concept. Because again, as I stated, Japan needed something. It was trying to rebuild itself, especially from an entertainment standpoint. Do you know what Godzilla is? It's the after effects of war, of nuclear radiation. I'm pretty sure we all know what happened in Tokyo, or excuse me, in Japan, right? Hiroshima. The fact is they took one of the worst things in their entire history and turned it into a iconic franchise. Do you understand how pivotal that is? Do you understand how unbelievably genius that is to turn a negative into a positive? Oh, it's almost like perspective can change your reality. Who would have thought? The moment Godzilla was created and people from all of Japan went to the cinematic experience to watch this huge reptile for the first time go through Godzilla and cause mayhem is probably one of the most iconic things in the history of movie and cinematography. We're going to watch it right now because you're going to not only see how crazy and how much forward we've gone with the whole animation of Godzilla and everything too, you really need to understand how incredible this was. And we're going to watch it right now. The reason why I said Godzilla is probably one of the most incredible movies and franchises of all time, especially from the depiction of why it was so important that we watch that scene together is... This was the future for a lot of things within the marketplace. This was the start of what a lot of people like to say as an anti-hero or an antagonist. But I truly believe Godzilla was always created for the focal point of showing the human element and how we destroy the world around us and how something that is bigger or caused by an effect because of it will ultimately take us out because of the wrongdoings we did which I think is incredible and can tie into Attack on Titan and how so many people disliked the end of Attack on Titan because of what happened. But in factuality, that's the truth of our reality. The same thing happens here. War, radiation, all of these nuclear wastes created something that now destroys humans because of what we're destroying around us. Unbelievable. I still remember 
the sheer terror I personally felt and the dreams I had. I'm talking about when I would watch these Godzilla films, I would be a living character within these world. And I would remember seeing this massive Titan stomping through the city where I live and feeling so helpless. It's like an ant when you step by it. They are literally incapable of fathoming what you are to them. They don't even compute you. You are seen as a god, like a freaking Nephilim right now. Can you imagine a 400-foot person walking by you on the street, stomping everything and casting laser beams? It would be unfathomable for us. It would break societal measures, right? That's why this was so incredible, because it challenged the concept of what we even experience, what we know, the complexity of the deep ocean. Is it a hollow earth? What's down there? We don't fucking know. We can't even go down there. So it's so cool to see they took something that was so negative and created an iconic franchise, making over 30-something movies, and I fell in love with it. I love the concept of something so incredible. Now, quick side note. We don't talk about the 1998 rendition of Godzilla, the first American-made one, because that was disgusting. Uh, I'm not even going to go about it that long. I'm not going to even highlight it. But the fact they made Godzilla look like a reptile, like a literal lizard, and then made him lay eggs in New York, shame on you. And that's the most I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Godzilla's insane. They went on in Japan to make 35 movies in total, revenueing over $900 million in box office sales. And it could be even higher now because of Godzilla Minus One. Now let's talk about the American films and talking about just how incredible this has become for everything because of it, right? In total, there are four movies from American Made, Three of them Warner Brothers. The other one I told you I don't want to talk about. And the one that's being currently made right now that's coming out next year that have revenue stream of over $1.7 billion in box office sales worldwide. That is insane to me. That a single franchise, incongruent in total, has made easily over $2.7 billion. And it could even be higher now by minus one and who knows what else over time, right? Do you understand why I'm saying this is so incredible is because the economy took a negative thing in life and turned it into an entertainment masterpiece and a lesson, a reflection to all of us to really understand the effects we leave on the world around us have a trickling effect to the longevity of all of us. And that's why this is incredible because human beings by nature were wasteful. How many of us throw away a freaking toothpaste thing that has more toothpaste in it? How many of us know we could have thrown away that styrofoam or plastic in the recycle bin, but we said F it and threw it in the trash can? Little things slowly build up to where eventually we're so desensitized, we easily bomb countries right? Or do some crazy stuff. And guess what happens? We create a giant radioactive Godzilla who's a freaking god amongst men. And guess what it does? Tramples over all of us for the sins of our past. I love the concept. I loved it. And the best part about it too is, is that it's the evolution of cinematography. So as we just watch, and again, sorry to the podcast listeners, but if you're not on the live stream, sucks for you. We saw the first time Godzilla beached and ran through, I think this was Ginzo or Japan. I'm not sure with Tokyo, but we saw from the 1954 over 80 years ago, right? Now, I want to show you a few more things of recent cinematography that I truly believe have set a new standard for like the Godzilla franchise, right? The first one I want to show you is arguably 
top three Godzilla movies ever made. And this one is called Shin Godzilla. And within Shin Godzilla, it takes a different perspective from the Godzilla concept, right? Where it's literally evolving during the movie. And the craziest thing is, as you guys saw within that first clip I played from 1954, Godzilla has basically smoke breath. Like it's just such hot breathing smoke. It just melts stuff, right? Now that it turned into an atomic breath, which is that blue laser beam we've all seen, that blue fire that kind of, you know, radiates radiation, right? This Shin Godzilla not only terrified me when you see its face, and it has no sense of consciousness. The older Godzillas from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, where he's fighting and they just turn into like, you know, kind of like a, a monster mesh mayhem. Godzilla has personality. He's dancing, he's cognitive, and he becomes the protector of the world, right? This shows you the true evil nature of Godzilla. And this scene, let me just tell you, shook me. It's, it's honestly, it's crazy to think that when I first watched this, I was shook, right? I was shook. Now enjoy this. The sheer magnitude of destruction caused by this thing. It's unbelievable to me to see that how from the whole 80 year span, right? And the growth of cinematography, the whole aspect of the score, and the capability we are able to do with this giant kaiju Godzilla. They turned his hot, steamy breath into a death beam that literal Frieza shoots from his finger. That was insane. And the concept is supposed to be terrifying. I, I promise you, I technically classify Godzilla as a tier of horror. Like, it's actually unbelievable to see the sheer mayhem and terror that this thing causes. People are afraid of getting haunted and shelves getting shaked. I'm petrified of a giant thing birthing on our land and just utterly melting away everything. That is unbelievable believable to me now before we get into the top 10 list and i tell you guys the best godzilla movies to watch if you've never been a godzilla movie fan there's two more things we have to watch real quick this one right here is from the 2014 the start of the godzilla franchise right now with warner brothers this is the first of the three that's out this jump scene out of the halo is cinematic gold i don't even think this is close to one of the top 10 godzilla movies ever made but this scene right here you're all in for a treat really take in every moment of this because i promise you whoever decided to add this into the movie deserves to have their own freaking shows made this is unbelievable cinematography for context they're jumping out of a plane at such a high altitude they're trying to jump jump into the city where godzilla is fighting these giant bugs right now because there's literally a nuclear bomb in the middle of the city that'll go off if they don't stop it so they have to jump at such a high altitude to get there. Just enjoy this in the scene and the music, the score. This is insane. It's crazy. That was one of my favorite scenes in all of the Godzilla movies. It literally is so captivating. Whoever thought of just putting that in there to do it was a genius. It shows you the depth of ability we have with using our creativity and imagination, which is why I said again, Godzilla was so pivotal for that. It literally played into having a Netflix three movie series. And one of those movies might just be on my top 10 list of all Godzilla movies. And I've seen them all. I've seen every single Godzilla movie up to date. Besides the newest one, which isn't out yet, that'll be next year. Incredible. And the last one now which is from Godzilla Minus One. If you guys haven't seen it yet, shame on you. Do yourself a service. Go watch it in the movie theater because you need to have that experience. This is the newest concept they use for his atomic breath, but they tie in something that I've never seen done before, and it terrifies me. Watch this scene. It turns his breath into an atomic 
bomb. That's unbelievable. And it leaves a mushroom cloud. All I'm going to say is everything that I've seen and everything that's evolved from the actual show itself is unbelievable to me. It's crazy to see how far advanced this entire franchise has gone and how so many people wash over it. How so many people don't even give it a chance. And if they have now, because the American one from Warner Brothers has done so well, they now just see it as like a Pacific Rim. They see these Godzilla movies as just this battle royale where Godzilla's fighting King Kong. Then Godzilla and King Kong team up and then they fight Mechagodzilla and they fight King Ghidorah. He's the king of monsters. Now in this newest one, well, now there's a primate that's even worse than King Kong. And there's this whole civilization in Hollow Earth that's trying to take over. So now they have to team up as like a buddy cop and fight this new thing to me it's unfortunate like i think they're using a different concept of what godzilla is and they're making like a battle royale rumble just to see these titans fight and i get it i mean there's a reason why ufc is so big here in the u.s why football and sports they're playing into that marketplace with a little bit of creativity right godzilla minus one and the reason why i was so inspired to talk about it on tonight's show is the greatest godzilla movie ever made to date it's insane. Like, if you don't believe me on this, let me give you a little bit of insight as to why, right? The director, the writer, and the visual effects creator and manager is all the same person in Godzilla Minus One. Takashi Yamazaka. Yamazaki. Takashi Yamazaki. This guy hit it out of the effing park. And you want to know why it's so cool that I said it's integrated with anime and that anime is such a pivotal role within all of Godzilla and the fact that they both conjoined for Godzilla minus one, creating the greatest Godzilla ever made. This man was nominated for six Japanese Academy Awards. And you don't want to know what they were all for? I got you. Six Nikon Sports Film Awards, three Asian Film Awards, two Hochi Film Awards, and the winner of two major pivotal awards of Director of the Year and Screenplay of the Year. Do you want to know what his work was before this movie of Godzilla Minus One? I got you. How about Parasite, The Maximum, Part 1 and 2? How about Dragon Quest, Your Story? How about Lupin the Third, the first of the movies? How about Stand By Me, Doraemon 1 and 2? This guy, and that's just some of the pivotal ones, has worked on tons and tons of anime. Do you understand what I'm getting at now? This is the perfect culmination of anime meets one of the oldest and greatest franchises within modern day, Godzilla. It's unbelievable. I was so intoxicated with that movie. I went at midnight on Wednesday after the last radio show in LA by myself. And a hot take here, I think watching movies by yourself is better than going with people. For the simple perspective of you get to watch the movie entirely, nobody bothers you, you get to go sit by yourself, have some snacks, whatever it is, and after you're done watching the movie, you get to digest your thoughts purely to yourself. Nobody's talking to you, nobody's inside, like injecting their thoughts into your own. You get to digest everything you just witnessed and conceptualize it from a perspective of your own authentic self. And that's the most purest form of an actual movie goer is to consume it for what it is i know people love to go to movies to hang out i go to digest the art piece this was the greatest godzilla ever made to date and i recommend highly without any bias watch this movie and subbed subbed hits on a different level sub attunes with the vision of the director's purpose and you feel so connected to the story because it's the purpose of what it was meant to be enjoyed for watch it and subbed 
Don't even think about watching it in dubbed. You will do yourself a disservice. It's so good in subbed. Unbelievable how good it was. It captivated me and I felt terror. Literal terror when you see this Godzilla come to land for the first time. And when you see it destroy Tokyo in Japan, when it goes into Jinzo, I believe the first time it makes landfall, uh, only three years after Tokyo is starting to rebuild and Japan's going through the end of World War II now and creating this whole new set of minus one. Did you also know that this is the darkest Godzilla ever made? And I mean, it's so dark. So many things that they planted within this movie went over everybody's head. I won't spoil anything if you haven't seen it, but I'll give you hints. When Godzilla makes landfall and actually goes through Ginzo, pay attention to what's happening. Really pay attention. Not only does he create an atomic bomb out of his breath, uh, let's just say he infects people with something called Godzilla cells. Let's say that it's not only minus one for a reason, he brings them down another level because of how much is left over after the movie. They left it so open for another movie to go even darker because what he did is not only destroy everything, he literally infected people to make them a subspecies. It's crazy how well written this movie is and especially the way it builds up because everybody that's in that final mission you'll see when you watch the movie when they do this like ocean thing to try to defeat Godzilla all get infected. <laughs> it's great and nobody even paid attention to it. Wild. So now I was inspired by not only telling you guys exactly why this franchise is so amazing, the tons of amount of money it's been able to generate into the whole uh, entertainment aspect, into the culture of Japan and everything else within cinematography as well, I wanted to make sure I left you guys off with something that I personally think is one of my favorite lists I've ever made, and that is the top 10 Godzilla movies of all time. So I recommend, if you're listening to the podcast, to get a pen and paper and I want you to write these down because if you're ever in a mood to watch something outside of anime, which I still truly believe is a form of creativity that should be enjoyed, I highly recommend you watch a few of these, just the top three or all 10 if possible. So now, let me put this on for all of you guys so you can see it. I appreciate everybody who's here tonight for the live watch party, by the way. Good night to everybody who left, by the way. I appreciate you. I know I don't always look at the stream because I'm in the mood. Let's start with the top 10 Godzilla movies of all time. Starting at number 10 is Godzilla Final Wars, and this one came out in 2004. Now, the craziest thing about this Godzilla movie, and why I think it is actually one of the greatest ones ever made, it is the culmination, and it's basically a combination of every single purpose of what Godzilla is, and especially the storytelling within it. There's a reason why I think that the newest minus one is the best one ever made, because Godzilla is not the main focus of the movie. Let that sink in. I know it's called Godzilla, but the focus is the world and what happens because of Godzilla being a part of it, right? And what happens and how they create it. The thing that's cool about this one, the human element is amazing. The story tie-in to aliens or whatever else it may be, and also the mass amount of monsters that get thrown into this one for a true battle royale, which we saw in King of Monsters within the newest American-made one, is some of the best one I've seen. And it's also cool because it's like the final stretch of when they're using the whole CGI integration now and totally outdoing with the human element. It was so well done. It was one of my favorites because, again, seeing all of these things 
things tie in together. It's like watching, if I could think of anything like your favorite anime franchise and seeing at the end of the movie, they bring all the characters back, right? The best one I can think of off the top of my head is Neon Genesis and where Shinji is having that realization of self, everybody's around him for it, right? Same concept. It was such a good way to go out and I love the name, The Final Wars, right? Like it's literally the final stand for Godzilla and humanity. So dope. It was such a fun watch and it's really cool to see how the animation style has changed just within 20 years, right? So now number nine, I had to put this one here. It's really hard to watch in today's world if you're really attuned to CGI and modern day animation style, and especially like, you know, the Marvel verse and everything. The original Godzilla from 1954. I urge you to watch it, and I urge you to really try sitting through it. It's rough. It's really tough. It's like going back and playing the first video games ever made when you have, like, it's back on what, like 10 megabytes to now where we have 100 gigabyte games, right? It's tough. It really is, but it's iconic. It's the start of the franchise. It's the first movie ever made, and they took a chance. They wanted to see if they could make a giant kaiju, this giant lizard that could breathe fire breath into an actual good movie, and it was. And it's so cool to see the expansion of how much within 80 years has changed. Seems like a short amount of time in the grand concept of everything because, you know, time isn't really real. But to have that kind of perspective of how quickly things change from a technological standpoint, this is the best way to do it and to watch it. Now, at number nine, we have Godzilla, the original one. At number eight, a fan favorite of mine, Godzilla vs. Megalon. Now, this one's really cool because they take you through the concept of Atlantis and the Atlanteans wanting to take back the Earth. So they release this giant bug-like creature, right? Well, in doing so... There's also this thing called Gigan, a space monster, which kind of comes involved because they summon it, right? Well, what's really cool is this was like kind of a futuristic and almost, because remember, this was made back in 1973. This was like a little bit of a inkling at the future to come. This flying robot behind him is called Jet Jaguar, and this is basically an android, a robotic self-driving thing that has its own integrated mindset, but is controlled by humans as well which is a crazy concept because you look at cars now and the androids coming out. This was 50-something years ago, right? Kind of crazy how on point they were with everything. Really fun watch. It's cool to see people wearing these giant rubber suits and having like these battle royales and at the same time, like same time trying to make you believe that they're actually fighting one another and they're giants with these little like created villages and worlds. It's, it's, it's such a fun time because to me it's... It's your imagination, right? You have to really put yourself in there to believe it. Such a fun watch. And again, that whole Jet Jaguar tie-in is absolutely beautiful. That's at number eight. So now number seven, one of the most iconic characters they added to the Godzilla franchise, which is also one of the main antagonists in one of the newest American-made ones, right? Mechagodzilla. Now, I love this concept of Mechagodzilla because it's basically saying it took everything Godzilla was and used it to destroy the world. And of course, at this time, back in the 70s too, they have a lot of other monsters too. So they have like King Caesar in the back here and then Anglia, Angliar, Anglius, whatever his name was. It's really cool to see that this one had such a good element of storytelling because it takes you into like these excavators and they're trying to figure out what this, this space metal is and they're trying to figure out what's going on and they stumble across a deep secret of these alien people, these space people who came down to make Mecha Godzilla to destroy the world. 
So in a lot of these movies from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, Godzilla turns into the, almost in a sense, the protagonist, the good person of the Earth. He really isn't destroying humans anymore. He's just protecting the Earth from these monsters. So they rode that wave because so many people were into the fight scenes, they just kept riding with it, right? Which a lot of the modern-day American ones are. It's basically their focus point. So it was really fun to watch. I loved watching Mechagodzilla almost have his hand above Godzilla. But then this is the first time you really see Godzilla go like Goku mode and he powers up to heal himself and elevate himself to another level. There's literally a scene in this one and I don't want to pull it up because I, I want you to watch it. He uses like the force. Like he literally stands there and Mechagodzilla's flying away and he's like, <laughs> he's like pulling him to him and he's like, it's so funny because you watch it and you're like, dog, the force is strong with this one. <laughs> it's just, it's so fun. The concept is great. And I really have a lot of appreciation for people now when I watch back before CGI, which we talked about also with March Comes In Like a Lion. I have a lot of love for when people have to put the amounts, the uh, amount of effort in to create these worlds for us, right? It's easy now with CGI. It's easy with computer programming. But to go back where they had to be in rubber suits and create these buildings and stuff different world entirely that one's at number seven that was godzilla mecha godzilla 1974 now this next one is one of the newer ones and it actually has really good design work and the actual like depiction of everything ties in the whole space element because in the 90s we started to get more focal pointed now with space and these new frontiers and we had like what was it um star trek and all these different shows now and this one came out in 1994 and it was godzilla versus space godzilla and when i tell you when you see this giant guy come down with ice shards on his back and stuff it kind of made godzilla look like a chump like i remember being so afraid of godzilla and everything that came with him being the monster of the deep how about the monster from another cosmo the guy who literally goes around like think of him as thanos right they literally had thanos and godzilla this thing was a destroyer of worlds and godzilla somehow beats him i know crazy to say but you know like they say goku solos godzilla solos what's a god to a king <laughs> it's so cool the design is great i love how they were basically stepping it up now because the 90s is like when a little bit more integration of cgi and stuff was coming out really fun watch this one scared the shit out of me i remember when i watched it because a crystal godzilla you bring in my favorite monster of all time mothra his little son godzilla and maybe some other kind of mechs who knows but that one is at number six now the top five best godzilla movies ever made Godzilla King of Monsters. This is one of the newest ones. It's the American-made one, and it came out in 2019. The reason I liked this one so much is that it tied in everything I grew up with, and they weren't trying to hide it anymore. Because my biggest issue with the Godzilla poster behind me, they tried to basically capture the essence of a Japanese-based Godzilla, which is focused, like I told you, on the storytelling but they did it badly because they didn't capture the right essence of the characters. They throw you into a family aspect that you don't really care for because it moves too quickly and there's nothing really holding you there besides they try to use the patriotic element and they're like, a soldier in the army, his wife at home, they're trying to reunite. It's like, yeah, uh, okay. Give me something more there, right? Like, I wanted something with more depth. That's why Minus One is so crazy because it's actually a kamikaze pilot who bails on his mission. And how he has to live with disgrace after that. Like, that's some real shit, right? So this movie was so cool. 
because they had some really good actors. They had the entirety of uh, combining King Kodora, which is the space Cosmo monster, fighting with Godzilla to be the Alpha Omega of this world while one's trying to destroy it. And Godzilla is kind of the protector at this point. He's just like, I'm the neutrality, right? There's no good. There's no bad. If y'all pop off in a bad way, I'm destroying you. If something comes here to take over my place, I'm destroying it. And to see that giant element of battling with one of my, I would consider one of the greatest antagonists of Godzilla, which is King Ghidorah, is unbelievable, man. It's so well done, and the animation style is so good because of the CGI integration, because it's made in 2019. That was a lot of the, um, if you were here for the trailer, when I did my intro for the stream tonight, a lot of those scenes were from this movie. If I had to pick just one recent movie for you to watch to feel the scope of Godzilla, it's this one. If you've never watched a Godzilla movie in your life, go watch King of Monsters. I have a strong feeling it'll really make you incentivized to watch more. Now, the top four. And at number four, it's an actual anime Godzilla movie. Shout outs to Netflix. There's three of them in total. This is the first one, and it's called Godzilla Planet of Monsters. And this one was made in 2017. It's a complete anime. What I love about this is it takes the future element now. So now it takes where the entire world is so advanced, they've destroyed the world. And in doing so, they've awakened this prehistoric monster, Godzilla, and as they're trying to escape the planet, Godzilla sets the planet back to neutrality. So he destroys everything, kills everything, and basically makes planet Earth un- habit like what is it habitable or habit habitual whatever it is basically we can't live there right i'm spacing on the term for it so what happens in this movie is it starts with all the humans leaving him basically demolishing everything and the whole concept of these three movies is them trying to come back to earth to make it livable again such a cool concept and the best part it's animated it's not the best like don't get me wrong it's not the most deep of storytelling, but the reason why I loved it so much is I've never seen an anime Godzilla. And you know how much I love anime and how much I love Godzilla, so the fact they put it together, I'm extremely biased. It probably isn't even technically one of the best top 10 ones ever made, but in my personal bias views, such a fun watch. And especially how they create King Ghidorah in the third one and tie it to like the cosmos of space such a cool concept and an eerie view of like wally -E, of the future to happen to all of us on earth now the top three without a doubt shin godzilla is one of the scariest godzilla movies you can watch this thing evolves during the movie and the craziest part about shin godzilla 2 which i love every toho japanese told story of godzilla from the darkest attributes really shine light on the world the thing that's so scary about this movie is not even godzilla it's the fact of how long the government takes to take action. The reason why Godzilla is able to do so much mayhem and get so far is because the government does nothing. They literally have so many loopholes, so many people that have to approve stuff. It really highlights how upside down the world is and how this creature could have been taken care of, possibly, probably not, when it was just starting to make landfall, when it was still crawling on its stomach. You literally watch it turn into this thing in front of you crazy concept dark godzilla in this one too literally has no personality it's just death it literally looks and feels like the grim reaper coming to destroy the world oh it's so well done the music the score and especially how they decide to like end it too really cool and i love the concept now at number two 
Again, personal biased, Godzilla versus Mothra from 1964. The Shin Godzilla, by the way, was 2016. This one, it's my favorite Godzilla character of all time, Mothra. Mothra is captivating because think of Godzilla as the destroyer of the world, right? So Godzilla was created because of the the bad effects of humankind and the negating of the world and us doing some crazy stuff. Think of Mothra as Mother Nature. That's why I love Mothra so much. Mothra is just there to protect the world and the people around it. And it comes from the dwarf island where these like little two girls, these little twin girls, they have this like chant and they're like culture and like their whole tribe worships Mothra because Mothra is technically Mother Nature. And also, like the movie I recommended you guys go watch, Mothra is actually connected into King of Monsters. And the coolest part is Mothra sacrifices itself to buff up Godzilla to beat King Ghidorah. A little bit of a spoiler, but that's how much I love Mothra. Mothra is just unbiasedly there for the world. Again, neutrality. No good, no bad. It's just mother nature. I'm here to protect. Loved it. And the first time you get introduced to it, especially the old school concept, the two sisters are right here, the old school concept of the world and design. Oh, I love old school stuff. So cool. And without a doubt, the best Godzilla movie ever made. And this has nothing to do with recency bias. You can fact check me right now. Do it. I challenge you. Go to IMDb. Go to Rotten Tomato. Go look up every Godzilla movie ever made. This is the highest rated one. It's the highest rated. There's a reason why. The storytelling is unbelievable. It goes back to its roots and really captures what Godzilla was made for. Ending of World War II and the devastation it causes just as soon as they're starting to get back on their feet. And the craziest thing, they make Godzilla so evil, and they take the concept of one of the most, like, best visual effects designers in anime and make him the director and writer. He creates the perfect anime real-life adaptation of Godzilla. I promise you, if you've never watched Godzilla, if you want one of the two to watch and you don't decide to go to the American one, which is Godzilla King of Monsters, you decide to go to Toho and watch this masterpiece, Godzilla Minus One is the movie I've been waiting for. The child in me, when I sat there and watched this movie, was terrified, petrified, glorifyingly excited, and also it was like the thing I was waiting for. As like a Godzilla fan, I can die happy now. And I really mean that when I say that. That was the greatest piece of art I've seen. And I'm so glad I was alive to witness it. Just like anime. Do you know how blessed we are to see like anime grow into what it is now? I grew up in the 90s. I was a kid. I was growing up in 2000s. In 90s and 2000s, you couldn't tell people you liked anime. Couldn't even dare tell people you liked fucking Godzilla. I mean, you couldn't even talk about superheroes, Marvel. They thought you were a nerd if you liked Tobey Maguire and Spider-Man. But look at the world now. Everybody loves Marvel because reconnects with the kid in you, imagination. We all have superpowers. We just have to remember Godzilla is Himothy. This, again, is the greatest franchise of all time. And the fact that I could sit down with you guys and like just give you an inkling, like a little bit of an inkling into my life and the unbelievable connection I've built with this franchise should say it all for you. And I hope within this whole podcast tonight, regardless of the anime of the week, the news we discussed about, and just me excited to talk to you guys and have this entertainment platform, I am unbelievably thankful to know that 
This is what created me who I am today. If it wasn't for Godzilla and the love I had for it, I wouldn't be as innovative. I wouldn't be as creative and I wouldn't have learned to respect the natural order of the world because if you bite the hand that feeds, you're going to get bit back. And unfortunately, it's in the size of a freaking skyscraper, freaking, un ugh, I guess, indestructible God, Godzilla. So as I like to start with this question, what's a king to a God, Godzilla? <laughs> I love it, man. I'm telling you, when I went and I sat there and I just got consumed by Godzilla and watched the entirety of that movie, it's going to make you feel some type of way. It's crazy. It's, it's so incredible to see that from 1954 and the start of them just trying to make a better world and to use something negative as a positive and them creating this beautiful creation and a franchise that has now almost 40 movies in total kick rocks fast and furious godzilla's here and it ain't going nowhere godzilla is literally the one piece of anime do you guys understand that that's why i think it's sad that so many people watch it and they've watched, and like again, like I told you, Godzilla has been around since 1954, but the American made ones have only been here since like 2016, right? And the American ones have made way more money. It's sad. It shows you like as a culture of people, we really don't know what's peak until it's put right in front of our face. And unfortunately, until it's mass accepted by like uh, social standards and societal norms, we don't appreciate it. So I'm thankful to know that I'm in a place where I can rep anime. I have an entire anime sleeve. I'm grateful to know I'm at a place where now Godzilla is getting the recognition it deserves. And Godzilla Minus One is sweeping the world. It's the highest rate as Godzilla ever made. This is Spielbergian. If you want me to really give you a term for it, Godzilla Minus One is Spielberg of Godzilla. It is a cinematic masterpiece. I wish it was been, it's been out longer or on VHS now as you know or DVD or Blu-ray or downloadable or streaming because then I could have watched more clips with you guys. That one clip I showed you, it's like barely anything because it's so new. Do yourself a favor, go watch Peak in its form it should be at a movie theater. You guys will absolutely love it. So I hope that was a little bit, you know, incentivizing. No sponsorships, nobody paid me. I'm just a fan, as you can tell. I'm just a diehard fan. And so getting an opportunity to sit down and talk with you guys about it, sensational. <laughs> I was so pumped, man. You have no, no idea how much fun I had going through all my movies and looking back at the notes I had and thinking about the shit movies, watching a few of them again and just reliving those moments. Nostalgia is a hell of a drug, but it can be used to fuel your passion if tuned properly. So... Props to all of you for taking a moment to listen to this podcast, stumbling across it on TikTok or Twitch. Shouts to the Twitch family for always being here and supporting. Whether you come or go, whatever it is, I know it's a long show, but the best part is you just stopping in to say hi means the world to me. Shoutouts to Rogue again for the Patreon episode this week. You can listen to this podcast live on every streaming platform. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, you name it. I'm literally everywhere. The best part is, too, I just get to do what I love and entertain like my natural instinct always was. Whether we get super big, we become the biggest platform in the world, or I just get to sit down with a few of you, I did my purpose. And that makes me even happier. <laughs> so do me a favor. Go watch Godzilla Minus One. 
or any of those top tens. I bet you'll love them. <laughs> We're back on the train next week with continuing the closure of all of 2023. We're talking about some of the greatest characters, storylines, news articles. It just took me a little longer than I thought it would, so had to find a little bit in between the gap moment, and I found a perfect sliding in there of Godzilla. <laughs> Love you guys so much. Thank you as always. Go watch some March Comes In Like a Lion. Get away from the Shonen for a little bit. And also, come back next week. Because I'll be here ready to talk. <laughs> Love you guys. Anime Senpai, out.